This is Ian Peterman. I'm CEO and founder of Peterman Design Firm, and I'm sitting here with Robert. Uh, he's a product owner at DAT and well-versed in the digital world and programming. And so uh, first, welcome to the show. Welcome to, to being on the podcast. It's really great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about all the cool things that are happening in technology these days. Yeah, so just before we started actually recording, we were talking about how a lot of startups in technology are failing, but they're and shifting their strategy to be a little bit more partner-based. And I know that's been a, I think we talked about that a couple of weeks ago as well. So maybe let's start there and, and talk about what you're seeing and you know the change that might that might be happening with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, in 2020, it kind of shifted how people are, were working, uh, definitely. And a lot of people were at home a lot. And so they broke out their laptop, uh, you know, threw some code down and started creating a lot of small startup companies um, that were solving small niche prod, uh, pro problems. And that's really creating this influx of new technology companies um, because the barrier to entry is, is continuing to diminish. And so there's right. lots of companies that are just flooding the, the marketplace. Um, but one of the things that they're kind of struggling with is, is they're solving one uh, unique problem for a user, right? So they're really good at, at one thing, but um, a user may not actually just go to them to solve that one problem. They want to go to somewhere to solve a whole slew of problems for them. And so that's where these technology companies are, are starting to think like, okay, well, how can I plug myself into other companies' solutions um, and just solve that one problem and help that company provide that entire end-to-end -end workflow. Um, and that's where I think we're going to start seeing a lot of companies just focus on a core competency um, instead of trying to be good at a lot of things, be good at one or two, two things and do it amazingly. And I think that's going to be a huge piece in the next, you know, five years or so. And so in the product, in the physical product world, there's definitely this blend of highly specialized to general and on the you know technology side it seems like there's been more more generalist like you know most most program companies i've ever worked with worked with or talked to they're like oh we can do pretty much everything and right. it seems to be that maybe that maybe that's ending and that everybody's not trying to be a jack of all trades and now there's there's enough niches that you can really focus down into that Sound like maybe wasn't there before. Well, I think everybody kind of saw like there's a lot of revenue opportunities to be the jack of all trades, right? So if you can, mm. if you can solve every problem, then you keep all the revenue for yourself, and it, and it's like great, right? Right. But the problem is, is being great at everything is very expensive um, because you could be really great at like really know mobile, for example, right? And you could have a great team of mobile developers. But you may not be good at some of the other backend services pieces. Um, your company just might not be equipped to handle those types of things. And so that's where you would have to go partner with one of these other companies to do that. Um, because in order to, to be good at all of the things across to, to deliver a product, um, you would have to have a, just a ton of developers in different specialties in order to, to, to deliver. And so that's where we're, we're seeing all these little companies that are spinning up to solve different problems, 
right? So like in the data uh, engineering world, right? So, ju so just looking at how do we, there's a ton of data out there. How do we do that? You see companies that are spinning up. They're like, hey, we can run, manage all of your data for you. Uh, companies like Snowflake that are, are getting really, really huge um, that are just spinning up these cloud-based solutions just for that one area um, that is going to solve a problem for, for a user base. Versus in the old days, a company might go, oh, I need to create databases. I'm going to go build all that myself. But in order to do that, you have to have developers that actually know how to build those databases and run through all that code um, versus just farming it out. Right. And does it, from, from your experience, does it seem that like companies that are looking for that service, are they wanting, they're wanting specially, but they're not wanting to manage 50 vendors themselves or are they, or do you see it as companies more wanting to take on, you know, the project management side, so to speak, and go hire 15 different highly specialized companies to bring on? Because I know there's that, that's a back and forth on, on a lot of companies for, for sure. Yeah, I, I think, I think it's in product management, it's a, it's a delicate balancing act, right? Where, where you, there's a lot of trade-offs, right? There's benefits to building yourself and, and benefits to partnering. And I think to me, where, where I'm seeing a lot of companies is if they focus on their, that core competency, right? That thing that they know better than anybody else, that's where they see they, they can have the most success versus trying to do all this other stuff. So I think it's going away that it's like, we can have 20 different partners to deliver a product, right? So you, you may be going to somebody like Snowflake to, to do data management and, and all of that kind of stuff. You may be going to someplace like AWS to uh, manage all of your cloud services um, to deliver your products. And so I think from, from that aspect, you know, companies are willing to take on a lot of different partners in order to deliver um, because even though they're, they may be paying a little bit more, um, the, the actual long-term costs are, are, are pretty similar. Right. Yeah. We, and it's, it seems that there's, I mean, it doesn't seem there's more and more companies, even, even physical product companies are, are so focused on appifying or <laughs> adding, even just adding a companion app. And so there's this, it seems like there's a huge growth and that it seems that maybe, I mean, is that part of these little startups? Is it because there's so many more uh, products that are requiring applications that now niches, you can actually niche down. You don't have to, like, you think that's part of it or, you know, how, what do you think that plays, plays together the whole, you know, physical, <laughs> those companies joining the, joining the game now of technology and, and a huge way. Yeah. I, I think the, the thing is, is that, creating a software product is not as hard as it used to be, right? Is, is that even I, I'm not a super, like I'm not a developer, right? Like I couldn't go on and, and, you know, really code really well. But companies like Apple create created a, a solution called Swift UI, where I can drag and drop simple components, and I could create an app within a couple of days. Now it's not going to be rival any of, of uh, the other really well-built applications out there. But I could create a, a pretty rudimentary application to deliver a product um, with very little knowledge of code, right? And so that is really changing the game. 
in a lot, there's a lot of other platforms that are doing similar things with, you know, hey, we're going to, you just kind of drag and drop components and you can create an application. We'll help you spin up all the databases. We'll help you do all this kind of stuff. And, and then that makes the barrier to entry very, very little for them to deliver something pretty simple to their customers. Um, right. and so that's why we're seeing a lot of these companies pop up. Right. Well, it's, it's in, incentivized if, if Apple's launching their, you know, their own toolkit, so to speak, then it's they're in starting to invent incentivize everybody to actually do more apps because it benefits them. I'm sure Google had Google and anybody else probably has similar, similar platforms. For it's, it. It, yeah. I mean, Google has something similar, but Apple, it's not a hundred percent there yet, but their Swift UI platform, if they ever get that like completely locked in, that'll, that'll completely make it a, a game changer because, you know, like I said, a- anybody, that just wants to build something could could easily build something pretty cool um, with very little knowledge of how to develop. Um, so I, I think that that you'll see more of that, um, and that's really what Apple has said they want to do is that they want to reduce that barrier of entry. Yeah, well, that that sounds very much you know like like the three D. We, we talked about this a little bit. The three D printing world where the barrier to entry of even you know making making something is producing right. quickly you could buy a 3d printer you can use some free 3d modeling software and you can very cheaply very easily make a prototype of something so and that's spawned a huge amount of there's product startups all the time in, in the physical product space too so and this seems like it's kind of evening out because yeah a couple of years ago is definitely well you have to be a coder like yeah, you'll get right. you'll get the kit, and unless you understand CSS and any any other languages involved in it, you are going to be lost, and it will not right. look good. You won't even get eighty percent of the way you get. You're going to get like ten percent, and it's like somebody with crayon trying to trying to draw a, a painting. So it doesn't really work. Yeah, so. I, and the three D printing is it, it, it's it's pretty wild how how that's that's just kind of taking it like like we're talking about the barrier to entry in all these areas are continuing to move down right and so you know just last month um there was a video posted on a social media platform of somebody with parkinson's that was really struggling to get um pills out of a pill bottle and there was a group of people that went through a couple cycles um sharing uh designs for a 3d printer bottle where the the per- person could just turn the bottom and it would dispense just one pill, even if they were shaking or anything like that, help them out. And so just that one simple product that's never been on the market before was designed within a couple of days by just a group of random people with their 3D printers that, you know, said, hey, I want to do something to help out the greater good and create this really cool thing. And, you know, we're seeing that more and more where people are just, you know, group thinking and going, oh, let's go solve this problem. And, you know, it's going to, it's going to have an impact on physical products, um, you know, maybe even more than the impact of new startup companies in the technology space. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it is a huge impact and the more as both, both barriers drop, then, then people are able to think of, you know, how do you create a smart product? Like eventually the barrier right now, the barrier to entry for a smart product is still 
hundreds of thousands of dollars, custom development, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into it, but it sounds like it's something that can be, you know, it's both of these, there might, there's going to be a tipping point, maybe, maybe in the next few years where you'll be able to off shelf almost a smart product and 3d print it, make, make the app using Apple's kit and, you know, have a, have a functioning prototype that, you know, it may not be the most beautiful thing in the world, but it'll prove an idea, which is, right. which is amazing because it's so many people have ideas. It's a seemingly limitless amount. So the barrier to entry is a huge, anything that can be done to lower it is pretty great. Yeah. And I mean, even, even in the, the smart area, there's companies that are popping up that, that are saying, Hey, you just kind of give us some some things that you wanted to to do, and it will quickly help you create some some really easy, you know, ba- very basic, but some machine learning and and some things like that that you can also deliver. So it's like that's another area where it's like there's a lot of startups that are like, all right, there, here's another problem. So that, you know, there's 20, 30 startups that just pop up that said, hey, you give us some basic criteria of what what you want us to learn we've already built the back-end machine learning piece just you plug in what you want and go and so even that those are those are growing at a rapid pace as well it's 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 crazy how many areas you're seeing lots of startup companies um just really deliver some really cool stuff in a short period of time yeah it it feels almost like you know not by necessarily intention but just by how technology is progressing in barrier entry where it's almost a modular build it yourself system where if enough of these companies are really optimizing in this super core area you can take you know a little piece of technology from them and kind of just cobble together your own you know modularly built uh system and be able to launch a smart app enabled a physical product uh, kind of all together. Yeah. One of the things I, I found really interesting as I've, I've looked at different companies to partner with and stuff like that is that there are a lot of technology companies that are decent sized that you can get some of these services for almost free, right? Or even some of them are free with a small user base, right? So that just that little thing, it's like, great. If you have a great idea, you can use all these different services for next to nothing right? Just to get you launched. And then as you ramp up your user base, then they start charging you a little bit more, but it's, it's very easy to just go launch all this stuff because it's like, if you're under 250,000 transactions, right? It's free, right? Um, or right. if you go over, over that, then it's a, a, a fee, but um, that helps at least these companies get off the ground um, pretty quickly. Right. Which is an amazing, if you think about it, and no, what other point in time have we had companies able to even offer free? Like we there's a little bit, but the mass scale that it's available now, the free you can start for free, and then because they've they've built their system in a way that they make enough money. Once you're you're making money, basically, right. that you can launch. And it's crazy the amount of stuff that you can you can do for free if you're willing to work with it right. <laughs> and do which is crazy and and like you said it's a big probably a big part of startups launching right now too is that they're just 
you can actually do it. That barrier to entry is free <laughs> in some cases now, which is, yeah, new. It's a, it's a right. whole new market space to, to be thinking about. Absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of these tech startup companies, so like, even though there's a lot coming that are being spun up every single day, it, it's, it's, there's a natural attrition within technology where a lot of these companies will go by the wayside. Um, right. But one of the key pieces of like, why do these companies fail within the first year or two, right? And when you look at it, it is product fit or marketing problems. And so uh, when, when companies are, are starting up as a unicorn and just kind of going, okay, I, I want to really grow this pretty quickly and I want to make sure I'm doing it. The, like if I want to deliver a pro my product and have a good market fit, and I'm just, I'm a niche person, right? I'm just delivering one slice of a, of a workflow. If I partner, I kind of solve both of those problems, right? Because uh, if I partner with the, with a company that's, that's got the entire workflow, right. And I'm like, Hey, I'm just going to plug into you guys and give you guys some value because that, that company that's going to have that entire workflow, they're going to help me with my marketing problem because we're going to do a lot of press together. We're going to say, Hey, we're, you know, I got this new feature. They're going to bring their base mm -hmm. to me. And then the product and market fit is like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm instead of me just being off by myself um, in no man's land, hoping somebody finds me, right? Um, right? Now it's in a part of a larger workflow and people find me all the time because I'm solving a problem when the customer needs me to solve that problem. And do you think that platforms like Zapier and I know there's a bunch of other other ones that have started up there's one I think called Panda IO that has some really specific they're they're kind of what you're saying they're they can become a master workflow and they plug in there's you know whatever thousands I think thousands of applications at this point for Zapier um and like is that is that kind of do you think that's helping to feed this where oh there's an actual there there's now a framework that people can actually start plugging into and they don't have to worry as much about, you know, am I marketing? Can I market? There's already this really cool hub basically and that framework. Yeah, I think that that's a that's a huge piece of it is is that you gotta find what, you know, there's different in each market, there's gonna be somebody that is trying to act as a hub, right? You know, you you when you're looking around at the different spaces within technology, there's almost always you're going to find one company that is partnering with a ton of other smaller companies and kind of delivering an end-to-end -end workflow. And so it, it's, I think you see that quite a bit. It's just the people want have in the past maybe been a little bit more apprehensive because in order to partner with that group, you're going to have to give up a little bit of your profits. Right. And you're going to have to, right. you know, have some sort of rev share, some sort of agreement between you. But, you know, I think companies are going to start seeing that's really my path to success and, and to long term success. Because um, very rarely do you see a technology company come out of nowhere that started from scratch and, you know, becomes a unicorn and, you know, starts making billion dollar revenue and all that kind of stuff. That's pretty rare for that to happen in the technology space. Right. We have like Facebook and Google <laughs> and, and, maybe, and maybe a few, few others that are that are up there. Um, yeah, I right. think we talked about this a little bit before too, but just that, yeah, like the, the, it's almost like the day of the 
unicorn one person launch a billion dollar company in 10 years is kind of dead in a, in a way and that these this partnership based mentality is where you can you can like you're saying bring that you can bring your absolute value because you actually specialize and you're not trying you know you're not trying to be a one man everything <laughs> and right. launching you're you're no i i know this exact you know niche this is my niche i know this completely and i know how to solve this very specific pain point and now it's more about yes yeah, solve it that's cool and then go partner go build build these partnerships exactly yep so which is great i mean it's far more I think it's, a, it's an apt time when everybody's wanting more <laughs> more inclusivity and more openness is that now this is it's very partnership based is is i feel like kind of guides people in that direction you have to be you have to work together <laughs> in general and just the kind of do it all myself which isn't a bad way but two two heads are better than one when you're thinking through things so i I think it's a very beneficial path that we're on. So, um, yeah, before we wrap up here, do you have anything else along the same vein that is coming in your head while we've been talking that you're like, I need to want to say this. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Just on, on another segment, it's, it's in the technology space that is, is just really, really interesting. I think a lot of people are thinking about, is what's going to happen with streaming services over the next, you know, three or four years, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, most people have been sitting around watching cable and you go to your, your big cable provider and they, they provide all the channels for you um, and you pay them a fee for getting all those channels. And we're seeing Hulu and Netflix and, you know, Paramount is now coming out with theirs. Apple TV has their own streaming service. Disney has their own streaming service. So all these streaming services are coming out there. But in order for them to deliver all those, they're, they're, they're still going to be partnering with people. It's just a different type of partnership, right? So they instead of partnering with larger cable companies, these companies are going, okay, I'm I'm not going to deal with the cable company. Well, like we're still working with them, but that's kind of we're looking that as that's going to be a rear view mirror. Instead, they're looking to TVs, right? So they're looking at the physical product and they're saying, "All right, I'm just going to deliver all of my products and, and partner with a Vizio or Philips or, or or those to deliver on you know the these services and to provide these services to users." Mm-hmm. So it's a, a really interesting shift. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that that changes, because, you know, when you when you buy cable service, you may not watch certain channels. Right. So, like, you may not watch ESPN, um, but other people do. But now that's going to change the revenue structure of how some of these streaming services get their revenue, because it's like, do I really want to go pay, you know, twelve ninety nine for the Disney Plus bundle or you know, do I just go to Hulu, right? So it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out um, because it's the new hot trend right now. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't have the answers for sure on that one, but uh, I right. think that's something I, I'm going to be watching pretty closely over the next couple of years. Well, that's, that's an interesting thing you bring up of, because we think of, you know, Netflix and all these digital streaming companies as purely digital, 
but at the same time, like you said there, you know, you still need a physical medium to view, right? You still need yep. a TV. So, you know, and, and Amazon's done this, you know, they've created their their tablets and they've created, you know, Kindle e-reader, right? Because they really sell digital products, but they want you to be able to access their pro- products. And right. so that is such an interesting part because it is without a TV, yeah, you can watch Netflix on your phone and on your iPad, but where do most people really want to see TV? Like TV right. TVs keep getting bigger and thinner right. <laughs> and nicer, right? So that's definitely a market need. So that's a really interesting point that they're looking at physical partner, physical product partnerships to be launching. I definitely have seen that. I walk through Costco and you see a thing is TCL and has Netflix logo. It has who like they're definitely starting that marketing. So I would be interested to see if at some point, you know, one of them starts launching their own systems if they don't, right? I mean, even, even, uh, steam for for gamers right they've launched their own physical controller their own physical gaming tablet they're actually i think they're working on building their own computer line right now so these what we think of as typical you know cloud-based software only or not even software but just a hub where you then access content where it's pure digital is are really looking at this physical part and, and trying to, you know, be be a little bit of, you know, Apple and say, oh, well, we give you content and a device as right. our device. It, and it so it's it is interesting to see. And yeah, I'd be curious to see how that pans out with uh, TVs and see if Netflix, there's a Netflix TV that comes out at some point. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting because I mean, you know, even so. I think what we're going to see is is the is how many users are going to each one of those because if you if you get every streaming service you could be paying hundreds of dollars right oh easily yeah and so you got to pick and choose and so these companies are going to have to they're they've kind of just enjoyed getting a a a set fee right from the cable companies as far as however many viewers they have things like that and this new model they're going to, ha- they, they have to continue to be creative as to how do they deliver that their product, which is a streaming service to the user in the, in the most ways possible. Right. Because they're not getting it from a cable company. Right. right. So that it, it, it's, it's going to be wild and, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see which ones succeed and which ones don't, you know, uh, that's going to be uh, what well, I guarantee it'll be a couple that, that drop, uh, you know, their, their services in the next couple of years, just because, it's going to be very hard to compete in that space. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a hot competition space. So yeah, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be curious. I'll, I'll be curious who, who makes it and yep. uh, who, who quits or, or merges. I mean, I guess that's the other option is they just merge in with someone else and yeah. combine that's what, forces. <laughs> that's what Warner brothers do, did is that they said, you know, hey, we're not going to create our own, our own streaming service. We just don't have the appetite for it. So they they went went with uh, HBO and said, "Hey, HBO Max, uh, we're going to deliver all of our movies, uh, our new movies, directly to you and the theaters at the same time, um, which is an interesting concept." Um, and so that way, you know, they don't have to build a streaming service versus something like Paramount, which they just they're kind of late to the game, but they just release they're uh, released they're going to 
drop sometime March, April, I believe, um, their streaming service. So it's like, you know, it, that's where you're going to see the interesting conversations at, at those companies being like, hmm, do I just go to Netflix and be like, all right, you can have all my movies, pay me money. Or, you know, do they, they build their own? Um, yeah. 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 It's been interesting to watch the, uh, we could talk about this forever, but <laughs> the last thought is that like the theaters and how Amazon Amazon now, you know, used to, used to be able to pay, right. Basically uh, super rich people could have movies really give on their screen because you pay, you know, whatever thousand dollars, some exorbitant amount to have access to, right. And there was like one service that provided day of theater release in private homes and now like 2020 doing what it did we have amazon has you know same day release you can pay 15 bucks and your whole family watches it from home so it's cheaper and now it's cheaper and and access like it's not the theater it'll be interesting to see how theaters work through this because there there's now more competition uh with streaming services being able to offer it and hbo max and they're they're definitely releasing new movies and theaters aren't necessarily open at all so yeah yeah, i think it'll be a very interesting space to keep watching so theaters might go the the way of the drive-in movies yeah there'll be like one in each town and that's it and they're nostalgic and take kids to them and say remember this is what we did when we were kids (laughs) exactly (laughs) oh awesome well this has been really great talking about you know technology and all this i definitely could keep going longer um but yeah thanks for your time really appreciate you being on here and you know if there's any way that you want people to if you want to talk to people about it um, how would somebody get a hold of you? Yeah, I mean, I think the easiest way uh, to get a hold of me would be uh, via my LinkedIn. Um, just search for Rubber House, and I, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so just shoot me a message. I uh, love talking to anybody that wants to talk technology. Um, like I said, I could probably talk technology for hours and hours all day, every day. So um, I'm always open to, to talk to people about that kind of stuff. Perfect. Well, thanks again, and have a good one. You too.